This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Wildfires continue to ravage southern France, Portugal, Spain, and North Africa, as well as parts of Croatia, Greece, Italy, and Turkey. Temperatures have soared above 45 degrees Celsius in several places, intensifying fears about climate change. Thousands of people have been evacuated from their homes in the French department of Gironde, in Spain's province of Malaga, and in parts of Morocco. No respite is expected over the next few days. Britain has issued its first-ever, quote, extreme heat warning. A spokesperson for Ukraine's military intelligence agency has said Russia is preparing for the next stage of its offensive in the country. He said that, besides missile attacks from land and sea, shelling has continued along the entire front line. On Saturday, Russia's defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, ordered units to ramp up attacks in order to preempt Ukrainian strikes on occupied areas. The crash of a large cargo plane in Greece has raised fears of toxic fumes billowing in the area. Greek media reported that the plane, operated by a company based in Ukraine, was carrying around 11 tons of, quote, dangerous materials, including explosives. All eight people on board were killed. Fire engines were not able to approach the site because of blasts that continued hours after the crash. Residents nearby were told to stay indoors. America's president, Joe Biden, returned from the Middle East after a summit with the leaders of nine Arab countries in Jeddah, without securing public commitments either on increased oil production or new regional security arrangements to counter Iran that would include Israel. But he said America would not cede the Middle East to China or Russia. Quote, the United States is not going anywhere. A G20 meeting of senior finance officials ended in Indonesia without a consensus on several important issues, such as whether future sanctions on Russian food shipments should be ruled out. America's G20 finance meeting in April also ended without a joint statement. Indonesia's central bank said that the finance chiefs discussed the war in Ukraine, high prices, and action to tackle climate change. Infuriating protesters, Ranil Wickremesinghe, Sri Lanka's acting president, was nominated by its ruling party for the permanent job. He would replace Gotabaya Rajapaksa, who last week fled to Singapore after mass protests and resigned. Mr. Wickremesinghe is likely to face several challengers when nominations are submitted on Tuesday. European leaders have congratulated North Macedonia after its parliament voted to approve proposals that will allow it to open negotiations on accession to the European Union. North Macedonia was one of six countries in the Western Balkans that have been candidates for EU membership for nearly two decades. Talks have been blocked by a long-running dispute with Bulgaria over history and language. And fact of the day, 216,000. The estimated number of victims of child abuse at the hands of the Catholic Church in France between 1950 and 2020. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Bannon in the Dock
When Steve Bannon, a former advisor to Donald Trump, ignored a subpoena from the House of Representatives Committee investigating the Capitol riot on January 6, 2021, he was indicted by prosecutors for contempt of Congress. His trial begins on Monday. Combative as ever, Mr. Bannon has promised to turn the charges into the, quote, misdemeanor from hell. He may come to regret that bullishness. If convicted, he faces up to two years in prison. Congressional investigators intended to ask Mr. Bannon about efforts to steal the 2020 election, which culminated in the riot. Before the vote, he presciently predicted that Mr. Trump would declare victory before ballot counting had finished. On January 5th, he warned that, quote, all hell is going to break loose tomorrow. The committee has already painstakingly documented how Mr. Trump and his cronies subverted democracy. What the Department of Justice does with that information is a separate question. It will have to decide if there is enough criminal culpability to indict Mr. Trump. India elects a new president. The president of India is a largely ceremonial role, but elections for the post, which take place on Monday, offer a chance for opposition parties to score a rare victory over the ruling Bharatiya Janta Party. Seventeen parties have united behind Yashwant Sinha, a former BJP finance and foreign minister. Mr. Sinha, however, is unlikely to win. The BJP and its allies enjoy a big advantage in the electoral college that elects the president. Moreover, their candidate, Draupadi Murmu, an Adivasi, i.e. a member of a long-neglected tribal community, is already testing the opposition's unity. Ms. Murmu would be the first tribal, and only the second woman, to be elected to the role. Voting against her is making some opposition legislators queasy. And for the BJP, its eyes perhaps more on future electoral success than on making history, Ms. Murmu could draw in more tribal voters in 2024's national elections. British barristers go on strike. Courts in England and Wales may grind to a halt. On Monday, criminal barristers will begin a five-day walkout in the final week of a month of progressively longer strikes. They are protesting about low pay. The state compensates defense barristers when their clients cannot afford legal representation. Barristers have not had a raise in years. A review last November recommended a 15% increase for cases filed from October this year. But many lawyers want a bigger raise, and they want it to apply to cases already underway. A spokesperson for the association that represents most criminal barristers says that, should the government not come back with a better offer, walkouts will continue indefinitely every other week starting in August. The upshot is that Britain is failing to give everyone a prompt hearing. The COVID-19 pandemic had already led to big backlogs. Walkouts will make them worse. London's Latest IPO GlaxoSmithKline, the British pharmaceutical giant, is splitting up. On Monday, it spins off its consumer health unit, which hawks pharmacy mainstays like toothpaste and anti-inflammatories, as a separate company called Halion. The new firm will aim for a valuation of £45 billion, or $53 billion, when its shares begin trading on the London Stock Exchange, which would instantly make Halion one of Britain's biggest businesses. The listing is London's largest initial offering in a decade. 
The bourse's IPO track record has badly lagged behind those of America, Asia, and even continental Europe recently. This means the companies it has listed are older staple businesses rather than the faster-growing technology companies seen on its competitors. Monday's listing, which cleaves off a part of one of Britain's most valuable firms, does nothing to solve the problem of how to attract tech firms. Even Arm, a UK-based chip designer, is considering whether to make its primary listing in New York rather than at home. Next-generation vaccines could end boosters. Few vaccines are, quote, one-and-dones. Boosters are usually required. Each additional dose means lower uptake and a less immunized population. But suppose you could receive all your doses at once, from a single jab. A new paper in Science Advances, a journal, explains how scientists at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology have developed self-boosting vaccine technology. It employs hollow microparticles made of a biodegradable polymer. These microparticles contain the vaccine, which is released when the outer shell breaks down. By adjusting the composition of the polymer, the researchers can determine exactly how long this process takes, whether days or months. This would be a game-changer, not only for future pandemics, but also for vaccination programs in remote regions where it is harder to deliver boosters. It seems too good to be true, but over the past two years, vaccine makers have proved that, with enough funding, they can work wonders. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which legendary drummer died at the age of 80 last year? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Nelson Mandela, who was born on this day in 1918. Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.